Welcome back to Your Province, Your Premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator, and every Saturday morning at this time, I'll be speaking with Premier Danielle Smith about a few issues of the day, but really, this is your opportunity to speak with the Premier directly, to ask your questions, to voice your concerns. Whatever's on your mind, we'd like to hear from you. Just keep it short and respectful. Premier Danielle Smith wants to hear from you. You can uh, call or text in Calgary. The number is 403-974-8255. Now, just a reminder that the uh, show will only be on the radio here in Calgary because of the uh, Oilers broadcast uh, getting underway in Ched. But if Ched listeners want to participate, you can listen in at uh, www.770chqr.com. All right, let's get uh, right to it. Premier Smith, welcome to the show. Hello, Wayne. Good to talk to you again. Yes, you too. And and has, as has been the case for our past few shows, there's, there's no shortage of topics to discuss. You've been busy. So let's kick things off by talking about the televised address Tuesday to outline your inflation-fighting plan, a, a $2.8 billion plan. It includes, if I can uh, recall, an electricity rebate, continuation of the gas tax reduction and $600 direct payouts over six months for each senior and child under age 18 in households with yearly income of less than $180,000. Cash payments, of course, also going to those on age and persons with developmental disabilities. But there is some criticism, uh, Premier Smith, that you missed some key groups, and those groups would be singles and couples with no kids, is that going to be remedied, and if so, how and when? We, we tried to put together a package to identify those who were most at need. And I, I know every time I've talked to seniors, they raise the issue of not only being on a fixed income, but also the cost of pharmaceuticals and groceries. When I talk to families with kids, especially those who are involved in a lot of activities, they've got to deal with the rising cost of gasoline and diesel and groceries as well. And so p- part of the reason for, for targeting those two groups is that we know that they are suffering disproportionately. We wanted to make sure that that they were supported. In addition, we know that those who are on income supports also are are in need since they are such uh, so low income. They're in need of a little bit of extra help. And we are open to hearing uh, other options for how we might be able to give targeted support to others. But we have re-indexed the tax code so that uh, people are, are not pushed into a higher tax bracket as inflation pushes their income up. We're also making sure that the electricity rebates and the natural gas home protection and the gasoline and, and diesel tax are available. For those who are really struggling from a uh, affordability food point of view, we've given $10 billion this year and next to food banks so that we can provide that additional level of support. Um, I know that our advanced education minister is is taking a look at how we can support students. He's already issued some low-income bursaries as well to help kids going to, to school, but there might be more that we could do in that regard. We just knew that we needed to announce something quickly so people knew that help was coming, and that's why we, we targeted our, our support to those most in need. Okay. $1.7 billion commitment by the former UCP government toward the Heritage Fund is being clawed back for spending purposes. Now, previous provincial governments have garnered criticism for lacking the discipline to continue these contributions. They've dipped into it for various initiatives over the years, and so we now got a, a paltry $18 billion in the piggy bank after more than 45 years. So why not leave that previously announced com- contribution alone? Because... Let's face it, we don't know what the future is going to bring. We may not have money in future to make sizable contributions like this one. Well, well first 
of all, I should say it, it isn't going to be spent. What, what we've done is we still have $5.8 billion that have been put into interim savings. And because they, we have a, a surplus from last year and a surplus from this year. And I think that the, um, the finance minister quite rightly made the decision to pay debt as it was coming due. So we're going to make a $13.4 billion payment on debt. We, the, the program spending that we announced to support the affordability measures are $1.2 billion this year and next. And so there is still $5.8 billion that is, that is unallocated. And I, I'm, I'm a, a different type of leader. Rather than make decisions unilaterally, I prefer to, to talk to my caucus and get buy-in. And we have to have a comprehensive plan for how we're going to deal with surpluses in the future. Are we going to put all of it on debt? Are we going to put all of it into savings? Are we going to put it in a, a mixture of savings and debt reduction and infrastructure improvements? Th- those are, I think, are, are important decisions that, that people want us to make d- deliberately and thoughtfully. And we'll, we'll need to make those decisions in budget 2023. And I, I suspect what you will see is a, a robust savings plan. One of the, the things that the finance minister shared with us is that if we had just kept the interest in investment income in the Heritage Savings Trust Fund all of these years, it would already be approaching $300 billion. And so everybody is very mindful that we've got to steward those dollars better. We, we just are going to make sure that uh, we make that announcement of a long-term savings plan in the upcoming budget. So there'll be more to come. Okay. You don't see it as a, a missed opportunity then? No, I, in, in point of fact, I mean, it, it may well be because we put such a substantial amount of money down on debt. It may be that and, and we'll have to see what the surplus is at the end of this year. It may, it may be that we're able to put more into the Heritage okay. Savings Trust Fund. That would that would be my my um, personal hope. I, I know that Rebecca Schultz, a leader, another leadership candidate and our municipal affairs minister, uh, she campaigned on having a third go to savings, third go to debt reduction, and a third go to infrastructure improvements. And so those are the kind of discussions that we need to have. And I'm, I'm, I, we're in the middle of a budget consultation right now. The Albertans have some thoughts on what they'd like to see. We are all ears. I'd love to hear their, their responses to them. Okay. Now, you had to expect some criticism of the new rules banning school mask mandates. Now, given the high absentee rates that we're seeing right now, would you be willing to modify that position slightly uh, in which there would be a a predetermined absentee rate that would trigger a a short-term mask mandate at specific schools that have been affected? There will be no mask mandates. I mean, I have a a job to protect the the rights of all citizens, and that includes our, our youngest ones, too. And in my view, parents have the ability to make the education choices and the medical choices for their children. And so those parents who want their children to wear masks, they, they should feel free to do that. But we're not going to be enforcing masks on, on kids in any schools. And that's what we wanted to make clear is that kids cannot be denied education if they, if they choose not to wear a mask. And they, and they cannot also be denied in-person education as well. So we have to make sure that there's accommodation. The, um, the school boards were seeking direction on this. Uh, British Columbia, Saskatchewan, Quebec um, all made the same decision. There was a very heated discussion that happened at an Ottawa school board and a mask mandate failed on a 6-6 vote. So I I think people understand that we we can't treat uh, respiratory viruses in every single year with this extreme fashion. We've got to start getting back to normal. And I should should say there is some good news in this regard, that um, the peak in our Edmonton school districts, we have to, we're we're seeking information, the the peak of absenteeism was about 10% of students two weeks ago. It's down to 4.5%. And so that shows that I think the, 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 um, the incidence is declining, but I think parents have also been very responsible that when their kids have been sick, they've kept them home, that reduces the spread, and I, I encourage parents to do more of that.
All right. Let's get to the phones. I've got a couple of questions, but we can try to fit those in throughout the show. Uh, we're going to hear uh, from Justin, who is calling in from Edmonton on an education topic. Go ahead, Justin. You're on with Premier Smith. Good morning, Premier Smith. Hi, Justin. Um, so what will you do to expand school choice and deliver on the curriculum reforms that were started under the previous government? I, you know, I'm, I'm still going to, to, to seek some advice on that. Maybe um, uh, what, what I do like is the, the charter schools that have started up in the last couple of years. We've seen the STEM charter school that has started up. There's a classical learning academy in Calgary as well. And I, I think that those are, are things that we should celebrate. I think that's fantastic that, they're, that we have innovators who are willing to provide those kinds of options for kids. And so we're, I'm going to be very open if others want to create those kinds of, those kinds of schools. Uh, what I would say is our immediate priority for this year, though, is supporting the 95% of kids who are in the public school systems, whether that's public, Catholic, um, or, or Francophone schools, because what we're seeing is that there has been a lot of learning loss because of kids being in and out of school. There's a lot of mental health issues. I was at the Alberta School Boards Association meeting, and that was the number one thing that trustees brought up with me is the distress that our kids are in. And so I want to make sure that we can stabilize and normalize the learning environment I recognize most of our kids are in our public school systems. I'm very open to supporting choice, but I, I think we have to make sure that we prioritize the um, all of the kids and, and their mental health. All right. We're going to pause for a break. We'll get back to the phones and uh, some text messages when we return. I'm Wayne Nelson. I'll be back with Premier Danielle Smith. More of your calls and texts on your province, your premier. If you're just joining us today, you are listening to your province, your premier heard every Saturday morning for listeners throughout Alberta and Edmonton on 630 Ched normally. But today we've got the Oilers uh, pregame broadcast and the broadcast going on there. So uh, for our Ched listeners, you can listen in at 770chqr.com. It's your opportunity to be heard by the premier to chat one-on-one with Premier Danielle Smith. All right, let's go to the phones, and uh, we're going to hit uh, Carl is calling in from Calgary regarding the Coots inquiry. So go ahead, Carl. You're on with Premier Smith. Danielle, congratulations. Thanks, Carl. Very, <laughs> very happy that you're the premier. Um, actually, it was about data and how data is uh, was used. It was very clear that during the uh, pandemic, data was manipulated and or not used properly. Um, I can point you to the example of the original models that came out that literally a first year stats students would have failed for. But fundamentally by August of 2020, all of the comorbidities, all of the age stratification was there. It never changed really throughout. How are you going to ensure that something like that doesn't happen again and that we use data properly moving forward. Carl, it's such a good point. I And I, I've seen this happen in many other professions as well, that when computer models are used, they do extreme projections. But to understand what's going on in the real world, you have to look at what happens in in actual fact, the, the actual data. And I think I, I followed the same information that you did. The, they were really um, wild and frightening projections that came out in March and April. But by August, it was pretty clear that even though this was a very serious disease, especially for those who were over age 70 with multiple pre-existing conditions, at, at that point, we, we could have shifted to a focused protection strategy. That's what I've been advocating as well as, you know, in the other jobs that I've had 
uh, over the the last number of years. And and so I I think we have to look at we we have to make sure that we're looking at the the models, putting them into context, and getting a broad perspective and a broad range of medical opinion. I feel in some ways that we we just narrowed the the the, the medical advice. Uh, to, 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 to too narrow a degree, and I'm going to make sure that as I put together my advisory panel of doctors that I've got a, a broad range of perspectives so that we can get good information the next time we, we have a, a novel virus. But even during this fall respiratory virus season, we've got some serious issues with influenza, with covid with um, uh, the respiratory virus that hits children, RSV, those are those are things that I'm watching, and I want to just make sure that uh, we're we're giving that focus protection, that, but that we're not overreacting. All right, we're going to come back to a healthcare a phone call. Uh, Don, uh, hang on, your Don's calling in from Edmonton. I've also got a text message uh, from Calgary on a health question, but here's something that Steve has uh, texted in from Calgary, and something I've been wondering about uh, myself, uh, Premier Smith. Uh, is your party going to reverse the Kananaskis Park Pass? I can tell you it's pretty, uh, it's pretty controversial. There are some people who really love it, maybe for the wrong reasons, because it's having the effect of reducing the number of people using our parks. I don't love it because I, I think it really puts a burden on families. I mean, I, when I was a kid, it was going out to, to Banff and get, hitting the candy store was one of the, 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 the sort of the cheap sources of entertainment for my family. And being able to go out and use those trails and do backcountry camping and that sort of thing, I know that that's really important for families. So we're having an active discussion about it. The, the big issue is we have to figure out a way to support the the cost of maintaining the trails and maintaining the parks. And I think it's somewhere in the order of $10 million. So I've, I've asked Todd Lowen, our minister responsible for that area, if he can come up with some alternatives so that we can maintain a revenue stream, but with, uh, with without doing it in a way that, that dissuades people from u- from using the parks. Because sure. my view is that parks are meant for people. And so we're it's an active conversation right now. We haven't made a decision on it yet, though. All right. Well, I'm glad you're on it. All right. Let's go to uh, Don in Edmonton on that health care question. Good morning, Don. You're on with Premier Smith. Hi there. Thank you. Uh, hi, Daniel. Um, hey, Don. Hi. I, I just noticed that uh, I had a TikTok video the other day that the Liberals, uh, a little off topic, but uh, snuck in something on the uh, gun control. They're going to make pretty much every semi-automatic uh, hunting rifle um, banned because of its, however they're, they've restructured it. They snuck it in while they were doing the, the uh, whether Trudeau should have used the Emergency Measures, uh, <clears throat> Emergency Measures Act or not. Um, the other thing that I want to comment on is the... Uh, have you seen the uh, video? It's on Rumble. Uh, Suddenly died 2022 documentary. You had a chance to watch that at all? I've not. No. What, 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 what did you take away from it? Well, basically what it's saying is that the, the side effects of the vaccination shot are going to really overwhelm our, our medical system in the future. So we should be looking at something along that line. Because the data is coming out now from insurance companies, military, uh, Germany, uh, Sweden, all these other countries are releasing their data, but and it's it's not looking good for the long term for uh, yeah. for the hospital. Thanks system. for that, Don. I, I think we all know. I mean, any time that you, there's a medical intervention, I think we all have seen the pharmaceutical ads where they tell you the benefit, but then tell you the potential side effects. And so I I think we need to get a good handle on that. The government did set up a vaccine injury compensation fund, so I think they had anticipated that there would be some adverse reactions. I don't have a a good handle on how much vaccine injury there has been in our province. I do know that those who had COVID and have 
long COVID symptoms that it, it's, it's quite similar. My, my view is we've got to focus on finding effective treatments. But I think you're quite right. We have to we have to look at the data. I haven't had a chance to to do that data analysis yet, but I, I do want my team of doctors um, to, to to get involved in, in looking at that. We're just trying to finalize that that group so that we can um, so that we can do a, a really good data review. And so I'll let, I'll have more to say on that in the coming weeks. As for the issue of the extension of this of this firearms confiscation, I I agree with you. It's pretty outrageous. Um, Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe has also condemned it, as has our Justice Minister, Tyler Shandro. The direction that we're moving in our province is to take control over our constitutional rights in this regard. Uh, property and civil rights are the purview of the province. Uh, we have uh, policing. It's the purview of the province. Administration of justice, purview of the province. And our RCMP contract, we get to decide our policing priorities. And my policing priorities is to make sure that we aren't having guns being smuggled across the border to be used in gang violence in Calgary and Edmonton. That's the, that's the problem. I'm certainly not going to make it a priority to confiscate legally purchased firearms uh, from those who are who are hunters and collectors and, and who need them for their profession, All right. on, particularly on that, in the rural areas. On so, that note, you're going to be back in the legislature on Tuesday for your first session as the new Premier of Alberta, and you've promised to introduce the new Alberta Sovereignty Act, or oh, I'm sorry, the new Alberta Sovereignty Within a United Canada Act, as it's now called, I'm, I'm presuming as a, an attempt to either reduce some of the early criticism or, or clarify the intent, but when is that going to happen and what else can we expect? during this first session, uh, Premier Smith. Any hints? Uh, first of all, it was to clarify the intent. It was, it was never intended for us to, um, to, to either get into federal areas of jurisdiction or uh, to, to break up the country. The entire intention was to get back to how this country was supposed to operate, which is that the federal government has its areas of sovereign jurisdiction. And the provincial governments have our area of sovereign jurisdiction, which the federal government interferes in all the time. So that'll be Bill 1. And uh, so you'll see it very soon next week. You'll be able to have all of the wording and, and uh, we'll be able to, to debate it through and people will see exactly what the intention is. But it's for exactly the kind of issues that Don had raised. It's also for the kind of issues, quite frankly, that I think we already won on um, out of the COP27 discussions that happened in, uh, in, in Egypt. We sent our environment minister, Sonia Savage, over there. And one of the final communiques was to phase out oil and natural gas. And Stephen Gibault at the federal level, said he couldn't sign the final communique because natural resources are not federal jurisdiction. They're the jurisdiction of the provinces. And if he signed on to that, he'd face a legal challenge that he would lose. So these are the reasons why we have to push back, is that I think that the federal government got complacent, thinking that they could just micromanage our areas of jurisdiction and we would just fall over ourselves saying, yes, well, we're not going to do that. We're going to put up a shield and say, stay in your own lane. And then we'll have a uh, we'll be able to to collaborate in the in the way the, the country's supposed to work, which is cooperative federalism, not us being treated like we're a subordinate level of government. So we're going to we're going to assert that next week. All right, Jasmine is calling in from Calgary. Uh, plans for students. Go ahead, Jasmine. You're on with Premier Smith. Hi, Premier Smith. Uh, congratulations. I'm really happy you got elected, and oh, I hope you. you stay. I hope you get to stay. Um, quick, my quick little points I want to make. Um, 
uh, in the budget, um, I think it would be great if you could get some money for students. My kids are in their 20s and rent is high and they are um, sort of struggling with that, going to school and working. Um, and also, you know, I feel like I'm glad what you're doing with the mask mandate because I always felt that it should have been a choice, that we shouldn't have been forced to wear them. And um, also I'm glad that, you know, I'm hoping that for the future that there's not going to be rights for people to get vaccinated because even though I agreed with vaccination, when my son was forced to get vaccinated in order to go to university, um, I felt really devastated for him because that was a personal choice that he felt wasn't best for his health. And he was told, you know, he could not go to the university that he was paying for if he did not get vaccinated and wear a mask. So um, I'm glad you're, 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 you know, because to me, you're not saying that people are, are not allowed to wear masks. You're just saying that they can choose if they want to. And, and I've always felt that way, and I'm glad that you were on the same page with that. And my last point is that um, I think if we can find a way to attract more staff here, more nurses and doctors, I would love to eventually see another hospital that's more accessible to the whole city like the general hospital used to be. I felt like that was a mistake to let go of that hospital, and that's something I'd like to see in the future. And that's Great. It. Thanks for your comments on that. Uh, again, I, I think I'll see if our advanced education minister can do something to assist with, with students. And so I, I think that that is in the works. So I appreciate your, your comments on that. I know that uh, it's pretty tough when they're having to not only face uh, increasing rent, but but also having to face the cost of, of going to school. So thank you for raising that. I, and I, 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 I've made it very clear that I, I believe in choice in all matters, including on vaccination as well. So we're, we're going to preserve that not only for our K-12 kids, but also for our university kids. Um, and uh, when it comes to attracting more staff here, there's a few things that I'm doing in, uh, on that front. I've, I've been told recently by doctors that they're, they're continuing a very aggressive vaccination mandate in British Columbia on their medical professionals. I think that it offers us an opportunity to say anyone who wants to come here because they value choice, uh, please come to Alberta. We, we we value you, we respect you, and we want to work with you. So that will be one. But I've also asked my Deputy Premier, Casey Madu, to work with our health minister on fast-tracking the recognition of foreign credentials. We have incredible talent coming here from around the world, and yet we've put up a lot of barriers to getting them affirmed in their area of expertise in the medical professionals. So I'm, I have a, a two-track approach on that, attracting not only our professionals from the rest of the country, but also from around the world. And, and we'll see if, uh, if if we begin to see some of that flow in the, ne- in the next few months. All right. Uh, CJ has texted in, uh, and this is further to the, the students. Uh, CJ uh, has a question about student loans, wondering if the Premier had looked at or was open to lowering the student loan interest rate to what it was prior to the Kenny government, or if she would be open to putting a temporary mm-hmm. pause on student loan interest rates, similar to what the federal government has done, Six point. 0.95% CJ says is a lot right now. Yeah, I I told I've heard that loud and clear. We have to figure out what the cost associated with with that would be if that would just be a deferral or whether we would we would offer a reprieve. And so there's all of these ideas that are being proposed for our our February 2023 budget and so I'll make sure I've I've noted this CJ because I I, I do keep hearing that that if there's was a way for us to give some kind of either forgiveness or reprieve on the interest or deferral of payment, that that would go a long way to, our, for, to help out our recent grads who are also struggling as well to get fully employed and, and to have consistent employment. So it's, it's, on, it's on my radar, and we'll see what we can do in the February budget. All right. Rory calling in from Edmonton. Rory, you're on with Premier Smith. Go ahead. 
Yeah, well, uh, Premier Smith, congratulations on your win. I just wondered, I uh, sent correspondence on this, but it somehow got returned. Uh, a long time ago, when Premier Lougheed was around, and later on under uh, Premier Stelmack in Redford, there was a the talk of, uh, of Alberta and Saskatchewan uh, joining forces and having a joint Premier's office on in one of the buildings that they joined as in, as they all together as a joint city-state, and then this would help you get your Sovereignty Act and uh, protection of provincial rights uh, more uh, highlighted because you could hold more... Um, press conferences together with Premier Mo, and then you'd be in, in both provinces at the same time and it would give you more publicity and positive PR for farming and uh, protecting the oil industry and the people up north and, uh, and all through the province and the rural areas and the, like a joint city-state, joint provincial, the Premier's office and have a, an office in a building marked Office of the Premier as Premier's instead and it would have both their names on it. And Whoops. Sorry about that. Well, thanks uh, for that, Rory. The, I guess the place for it to logically be it would be Lloydminster, since that already is a, a joint city between between Alberta and Saskatchewan. Look, I've got a really good relationship with uh, with Premier Scott Moe, and I think he and I are very much in sync on our strategy of pushing back against Ottawa. So you'll find that we'll we'll very likely be watching what's happening in each other's legislature and also watching each other's announcements. And as we agree, we'll be reinforcing each other's efforts. So I don't know if that would lead to a formal merger, but there, there will certainly be a lot of bilateral cooperation. Thanks for the question, Rory. All right. Yes. And uh, sorry, my finger was a little bit premature on the button there, Rory. Uh, we're going to move up to Trent calling in from Calgary. And uh, go ahead, Trent. You're on with Premier Smith. Good morning, Danielle, um, and congratulations on your new appointment. Thanks. I'd just like to say thank you personally for listening to all the um, average Albertans or stuff that's being talked about in coffee shops, water coolers, whatever, um, because this has been happening, and, and you're finally at least trying something and, and putting something out there too. Let's try this. If it doesn't work, I'm not disappointed, but at least we've tried something. But healthcare, um, paying down the debt. And especially Deerfoot Trail, I've never seen that in such a mess over the last seven or eight years. It it just drives me nuts. The question I have for you is: possibly, can we build a nuclear power plant? <laughs> I I love all, I love your I love your comment. Let me let me deal with the last one that you raised last. But you're quite right on healthcare, and I I've, I've been very encouraged at the number of people who have sent me personal stories saying, "Can you fix this?" Um, or telling me um, about enhanced surgical initiatives. I've got a number of doctors saying, hey, look, we can we can do more surgeries. And, and we're, we're developing processes so that we are establishing decision makers so that we can get these ideas put on the table and decided quickly. So I'm, I'm hoping that we'll see some, some real movement on that in the next couple of months. And it, it is, you're right, there is a bit of trial and error that we put we put forward a pilot project. If it works, we do more of it. If we have a pilot project that doesn't work, we try something else. So I'm glad you, that you're taking that in the stride that it's... Uh, that it's meant because we really do need to innovate. We need to try new things. I agree with you on Deerfoot Trail too. Uh, I, I used to say that the most dangerous thing I, I did in a day was travel that that uh, area where you're trying to turn off onto Southland <laughs> and everything squeezes in at Anderson. So I can't wait for that to be fixed for, for, for everybody else who has to drive it as well. And as for, for small modular nuclear, I think that that is going to be the wave of the future. We already have in our party policy, our members have already endorsed the, uh, the plan of the previous premier to pursue that. I know that our oil sands companies are quite keen to see if there's a way that they can bring it in for oil sands production to decarbonize that production. And that there are other proposals that are out there. We, we, we will see the first small modular nuclear, I believe, in 
New Brunswick in 2026 and in Darlington in 2028. So once those have rolled out safely and people can see that they work and there's a comfort level, I think that there'd be an appetite for us to see if we can bring them here too. So it's it's definitely something that we're looking at. Uh, regarding Deerfoot Trail, I, I think every Calgarian has a, a particular beef with that one. But, you know, going back uh, a few years, I can remember talking to uh, one of the uh, traffic police sergeants. And I don't think that they're out of all of the lanes that Deerfoot has, only the far left is the only lane you can travel the entire length of Deerfoot straight through all of the others you have to merge or or change anyway just throw that in listen i wanted to uh, to bring up something uh, kevin usselman on the alberta morning news had a bit of a straw poll uh red light green light as he called it uh regarding your performance so far and uh i think you'll be happy to know that 60 percent of the 125 text messages that he had said uh, you get the green light that continued doing what you're doing 32 percent were red the others were undecided so uh i I guess you've got to be happy there but you're you you haven't really done you still have to go to the legislature on on tuesday and then things can really get going that's right if people like what i've done so far just you wait we've got a a number of pieces of legislation coming forward in the fall we'll be addressing issues in question period i haven't done question periods since 2014 so i'm looking forward to doing that and I think it really does focus people's attention about the the, uh, the initiatives that we have going forward. So we've got a lot more to announce still. And so I'm, I'm glad to get that early vote of confidence that we're heading in the right direction. All right. Text message on the QR line. Premier, what is being done to speed up access for Albertans to get access to drugs approved by Health Canada? It can take up to two years for provinces to approve drugs already approved by Health Canada. This system is grossly inadequate. You know, I remember following this through. There was one of my regular listeners, Amanda, who had cystic fibrosis, and she had a particular type of medication that she decided to advocate on so that we would adopt it in our formulary. And she had success. So I've been watching this for a number of years. It would seem to me that there would be some value that as soon as Health Canada approves something, that we should make it available on our formularies here. And I, I have to do a little more investigation to find out why there's such a delay. But the reason why new drugs come out is because they're able to address the issue very likely in a, in a better way with less side effects. And so we should be wanting to make sure that the, the best medications are available to Alberta citizens. So I, I know that there's been a couple of problems. I don't quite know what, what the nature of the holdup is, but but I'm, I'm going to get it'll be one of the things that we get Dr. John Cowell, our official administrator, to look into. All right. Pat, calling in from Camrose with an Alberta environment question. Pat, go ahead. Uh, You're on with Premier Smith. Thank you, and good morning, uh, Ms. Smith. Uh, Yes, I had a brief conversation when you were in Camrose many months ago regarding the Alberta environment folks overstepping in farmers' land and property, and in particular with property rights and claiming land. And the, the big issue that I see is that the whole system needs to have something um, shifting up in it, something like what you're doing with uh, the health system right now. The board of directors really is not in touch, I don't think, with farmers. I think uh, what you've done with Mr. Horner's department and moving irrigation there is a brilliant idea. And I think that you should be moving um, different things from Alberta Environment and Parks when it comes to farming and our right to farm. And especially nowadays with security of food as a big issue and also water management. And uh, we can all work together. Farmers are known to usually be the best stewards of land. But I'd like your comment on what you think we could do going forward. 
Pat, you and I have come to the same conclusion about Alberta environment. I've, I've, re, I've renamed it to Alberta Environment and Protected Lands because I, I recognize that there are some broad-based habitat protection agreements that we've got to do for caribou and for sage grouse and for other endangered species. And that's going to stay with Sonia Savage. But, but we also have uh, irrigation infrastructure that we need to build. And so that part that was an environment, I moved over to Nate Horner. We also have our grazing land leases and all of our leases of our forested lands as well. That that used to be an environment too. I've moved that over to Todd Lowen in forestry, parks and tourism. And parks generally is over in, uh, in, in Todd's area as well because I think we've taken this view that uh, everything that has uh, that, that is in these these pristine areas and these recreational areas, it seems to me that it's build a fence around it and don't let people use it. And my view is that there's two different types of land. There is land that you do need to have a pristine approach and you have to protect, but then there's land that's there for recreational use. So that's the work that I'm trying to do is separating that out. And, and we really should have an attitude of using our public spaces for public use and using our revenue-generating public lands to generate revenue. And so we'll, you'll have to wait a, a couple of months to be able to see that in practice. But it did strike me that, that, that I've heard a lot of frustration about dealing with, uh, with a department that, whose answer is always no, and we want to get to yes on a couple of things. So we, we, we have made some of those changes, and I hope we see some results in a couple of months. All right, Premier Smith, uh, Don has texted in from Medicine Hat. And here's a question that I think a lot of people can identify with if you're trying to get a hold of someone in government. Don says, Danielle is my MLA. I live in Medicine Hat. How can I contact her? I don't see anything when I Google her. Should our MLAs not be available to constituents? I just heard last night that Premier Smith has a satellite location, but not in the area of the city where her riding is. What's going on? Well, a couple things. I was just at my constituency office in Medicine Hat yesterday, meeting with a couple of constituents. I'm going to. I'm in Brooks today at my other constituency office, meeting with constituents. I gave out some uh, platinum jubilee medals to some prominent members of our Brooks community last night. And uh, you can contact my my office. I would say brooks.medicinehat at assembly.av.ca. I um, I chat with my two constituency assistants every week about the letters that are coming in the events that I get invitations to, as well as um, as re- requests for meetings. So, Don, that's the way to do it. All right. Mary, calling in from Lethbridge. Money for seniors. Go ahead, Mary. You're on with Premier Smith. Hello, Premier, and congratulations. Very happy to know you're in there. Well, thank you. I just have a quick question. Uh, the funding that's going to seniors, because there are a lot of seniors that are only a few hundred dollars over collecting senior benefits. Is the money just for seniors on senior benefits or for all seniors? It's for all seniors. We are doing an income test so that it's, um, if you have a, house, a household income above $180,000, that um, you won't qualify for it. So, uh, but I think, I think the vast majority of seniors, something like 93% of our seniors fall below $180,000. So it is for everyone. The, uh, the additional support that we're giving is that for those very low-income seniors on the seniors' benefit, that's going to be indexed. It hadn't been indexed for a couple of years, and so we're re-indexing it. But no, this is intended to go to, to all of our seniors. All right, we're going to pause for a break right now. You are listening to Your Province, Your Premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, and we'll be back to wrap things up in our final segment. 
Wayne Nelson back with you on your province, your premier, your opportunity to speak with Premier Danielle Smith one-on-one. If you got that question that you've been just dying to ask, well, now's your opportunity. The number, again, in Calgary, uh, 403-974-8255. You can text that line as well. And uh, because the Oilers game is being carried on Ched, we are not... Uh, you're, you're not being able to text on, on that line, but you can you can you can listen to uh, and and access the uh, qr77.com and text through there. Uh, Premier Smith, I wanted to start off with uh, this one here, just a quick text message, uh, and I'm not sure who this is from. Uh, if the vaccine, and I'm talking about the COVID vaccine, was supposed to save lives and was free, why <laughs> isn't insulin free? Diabetics huh? will die without it. If the feds don't want to assist Canadians, maybe Albertans can save Albertans' lives. Uh, you know, part of the reason I wanted to bring through a health spending account is that I recognize there are so many things that are currently not covered by our health care system. Our Canada Health Act says you cover everything in hospitals and everything that related to doctor's visits. But it does leave a, a probably dozens, if not hundreds, of different procedures and devices that are uncovered. And so what I want to do is establish a health spending account. I've given Nathan Glubish direction to work on this, a health spending account so that we can put a little bit of money into an account so that people can start defraying the cost of some of those things because it's different for everyone. Some people are go to chiropractic or physio appointments. Some people need to get regular foot care to help with diabetes. Others need uh, insulin pumps and insulin paid for. And so we want to make sure that all of those additional health care needs have a little bit of support. So we're going to, to, to launch, to pioneer that with a pilot project in the, in the new year. And I hope that that's one way that we can address some of those unmet needs. All right. Getting back to the affordability uh, program that you announced, uh, question on the text line. Don't you think the ceiling of $180,000 was exorbitant? If a family cannot afford the cost of living based on that amount, then something's going wrong. That text in from Susan. I guess the the decision was made between our federal government and the um, child care children's services when they were establishing what a middle income family was to help with child care expenses. $180,000 was the number that they landed on. And when you think about a $180,000 family income and then the percentage of that that's taken away in taxes with the, with the actual amount of living expenses that you have. And then on top of that, if you're a young family, you might have student loan debt you're paying, brand new mortgage that you're also paying. Maybe you've got some kids who have additional activities and cost of school. It's, it's, it's tough to raise a family these days under those circumstances. So I, um, I, I took the advice of Matt Jones, who is our affordability and utilities minister. He was also previously in the children's services file when we set that, that level. And here's, here's the thing, we're going to have a portal so that you sign up and you will receive the money in your bank account. And if you don't think that you need it as a family, then uh, you don't need to take it. We just want to make sure that we're supporting those families who do need it. And, and, and we'll see, we'll see how, how much pickup there is on that. But it, the, the issue that I had heard from so many of our middle-income families is that we have great programs that support our lowest income and most vulnerable, but that middle-income group is the one that continually gets hammered with these additional costs, and there's no extra support for them. So that's why we took the approach we did. All right, back to the phones. Dave has been hanging on for about 20 minutes. Uh, he has a teacher-related question. So go ahead, Dave. You're on with Premier Smith. Uh, hey, good morning, Premier. Hey, Dave. Um, uh, I just actually have two really quick points. Uh, one is uh, with respect to the teacher stuff. Uh, having heard your recent uh, announcements on the public education and masking, et cetera, and having 
and, and your commitment to having both in-person and virtual streams for education acting concurrently. I see a bit of an opportunity here uh, for, for you and your government. Uh, you may be able to, and don't laugh when I say this, you may be able to get uh, some support from the teachers and the boards if you maybe look at hiring some additional teachers and aides to flesh out the two streams a little bit. That's my first one that I'd like to comment on. But the second one, I just really quick point here on the Sovereignty Act. There's been a lot of comments on the legislation that has yet to be drafted tabled or debated in the legislature and i just my question on that is would you say that the vision for this legislation is more akin to a shield for alberta or to a sword those are my comments look forward to yours i look at it as a shield really and i think it's already been demonstrated that it's a it's working when you look at the approach that uh, Tyler Chandra's taken on the issue of gu the gun confiscation and you look at the the success that we had at the cop 27 environment um, discussions. I, I think that the federal government's finally realizing that they have to work with us collaboratively and respect our jurisdiction. And I'm prepared to do that. I, I want to work collaboratively with the federal government, but I can't stand by while they continue to pummel our province with uh, unfair restrictions and target our industry. We, we still have an unanswered question on this proposed cap of 42% emissions reduction that they want to put specifically on our oil and natural gas industry by 2030. Like we, we know there's no possible way. It's too short a time frame, and the technology doesn't exist to do that. So by putting an emissions cap that aggressive, it actually acts as a production cap. And we're prepared to fight it out in court and say that you're wrong. So we're, we're working right now to make sure that that doesn't come through. But that would be the kind of situation where we'd say, sorry, we're not enforcing that. Take us to court and let's battle it out there. We, we think that the court should ultimately be the final arbiter. But we have been on our heels because what they do is they pass offensive legislation. We sit back and then try to fight to get our rights back. We want to make sure that uh, they know that we're not going to let them interfere in our jurisdiction in the first place. That's what the Sovereignty Act is about. Yeah, on the issue of teachers, I, I, I completely agree that we, we need to create more support in the classroom. I've been very supportive of trying to bring in more education assistance. One of the things that I heard from teachers was that it was really effective, the program that we had, to have small groups able to be pulled out so that they could do one-on-one -on -one reading time with an education assistant. And so doing more of that will allow us to address a lot of issues around learning loss in both the foundational skills for reading and writing, but also on math. And those are the kind of approaches I've encouraged our education minister to, 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 to put more money towards. All right. Uh, we've got time for, I think, two questions. I'm going to take one of them from the text line because uh, this texter has uh, tried to get his question on before. So I'm going to hit that one first. And then we're going to go to Chris in Edmonton on an income tax question. So a uh, text message says, I am a heavy equipment operator. I had a conversation with a colleague who said he was involved and worked on the construction and demolition of a nuclear plant in the foothills west, northwest of Calgary. He was sworn to signing a letter of non-disclosure with full threat for doing so. The new facility was almost completed, and then Rachel Notley came into office and scrapped the plan. Uh, it cost billions of dollars and is hush-hush. Do you know anything about this? I don't, but he should send me an email so I can find out more about it. It's um, if you, We have premiers at gov.ab.ca for anybody who wants to send me a an email that is related to something outside of my, my home riding. So premier at, at gov.ab.ca. Let me send it along and I'll look into it. All right. Let's get back to Chris calling in from Edmonton with an income tax question. Go ahead, Chris. You're on with Premier Smith. Yes. Good morning, uh, Premier. Hi. In your 
In your speech uh, to the public, you mentioned that you wanted to work in the best interests of all Albertans, yet the cash given to Albertans is uh, to a very select target market, I would suggest. And wouldn't it have been more effective to just reach all Albertans by decreasing Alberta's 10% personal tax rate to the BC uh, tax rates for personal income, 5 and 7%. And, um, and will you uh, consider uh, that in uh, your uh, upcoming uh, session or uh, potentially the budget in the spring? I think we need to take a little more time on that, and I'll tell you why. It's because I'm, I'm still very conscious of the fact that we are still relying on our resource royalties to balance our budget and be in surplus. We have somewhere about a, a $10 billion structural shortfall, maybe a little bit less than that because now we have a, a higher level of, of royalty revenues that we can guarantee, have almost guaranteed because of the, the, the fact that our oil sands operators are now uh, paying, they've paid out their capital costs, and so then they're now paying a higher royalty rate. So we're still doing some calculations around that. I, I just wouldn't want to be in a position where we reduce one of our long-term stable revenue streams and then end up with some more volatility in the market and go back into deficit. I, I'm allergic to deficits. I, I, I feel so proud of the fact that we were debt-free. I want to get back to being debt-free. I felt very proud of the work that, uh, that Lahey did in establishing the Heritage Savings Trust Fund. I want to grow that. And so my strategy would be twofold, that as we pay down debt, and free up interest charges, that becomes available to reduce taxes. And as we put money in the Heritage Savings Trust Fund, uh, especially once we get to a certain target, that may also become a, a source of a future revenue so that we can reduce our income taxes. But it's going to take a little bit of time for us to make sure that we that we bridge that gap and get through this volatile period. So I, I don't want to overpromise on that, but I'm I'm very conscious of the fact that we still have $80 billion worth of debt. That is, that is costing us $2.5 billion a year in finance charges. And I think that um, uh, we have to develop a long-term debt reduction plan before we start looking at ways of, of reducing taxes significantly. Premier Smith, we have run out of time. Thank you for joining us again today. Thank you again. We'll we see had, again, Wayne. Uh, yep, you betcha. We had a full board of uh, calls still waiting. We had all kinds of texts coming in. Uh, we'll do this again next week, same time. I'm Wayne Nelson. You've been listening to Your Province, Your Premier.